so um, my, my daughter went to see the new Batman movie the other night. And I, I'm, I'm beyond, I didn't know there was another one. I'm like, how, how many of these things can they make? Because I saw Batman when Michael Keaton played Batman. Anybody see that one? Yeah, Prince did Bat Dance. You remember that? Uh-huh. And um, they've, they've made 432 Batman since. And I just, but it caused, me to, it caused me to think. It caused me to think about movies and funny theaters I've seen in movies, or funny things I've seen in movie theaters. How many of you have ever been in a, watching a movie at the theater and something happened and you either screamed out loud or grabbed the arm of the person next to you or jumped. Okay, yeah, me too. Me too. I've, I've been, I remember I took a date one time to the movies. She's like, I can't watch. I've, I paid $872 for us to get in here, get some popcorn. You're going to watch this movie. But I, it caused me to think about the first movie I ever saw in, in the theater. And it was, a, it was a big deal because this movie, um, there was a lot of buzz around it and I was nervous through the whole movie because I didn't know what was gonna happen. I was scared to death because there was this dude named Luke Skywalker, right? I'm not talking, some of y'all are like, I saw that, you saw the re-release, okay? This is, I mean, I saw it in the 70s and I was nervous. I was gripping my mom's arm with a death grip because if Luke Skywalker don't blow up the Death Star, Darth Vader is going to rule the galaxy, and that's just bad. And I remember leaving the theater going, oh, God. It was so relieving. I I didn't know what the end of the movie was going to be like, and I was scared. But, But fast forward, 2012. 2012, there's another, like, action movie came out. Some of y'all saw this, right? The Hunger Games. Katniss, and, and, and I watched this whole movie as cool as a cucumber. I was chill. I was like, everybody's like, ah! I'm like, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. People screaming, freaking out, clapping, cheer. I didn't cheer at the end. I, I, and, the, and the reason I watched this. I told you to tell your neighbor. (laughs) Good, good, thank you. The reason I could watch this movie and not be worried about it and not be freaked out, not be screaming the whole time, it's very simple. I had read the book. I read the book. In fact, I read all the Hunger Games book. I read all four books in three days. I, I was on vacation. And I just got, when I get into something, I like a hyper focus. And because I'd read the book, I could sit there and watch the movie. And I was, I was, I was so chill because I knew what, I knew how it was going to end. I knew, I knew. And, and that ties into what we're talking about because anytime you talk about the end times, two things happen, two types of people like, like show up at church. Number one, Crazy people. Now, if, if you're in this category, you don't know it, and so I'm not offending you because you have no idea you're being offended right now. But, but you, after the service, you're going to try to sneak back in the first-timers area, and you want to talk to me about that verse in Daniel about the ten horns and then the little horn. Is that the Antichrist? And da, da, da. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's n- no. We're not having that conversation today. The other, the other thing that happens 
is people get freaked out when you talk about the end times. Like people are leaving church going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, Jesus is going to be coming back. Oh my gosh. And people tend to worry. We get filled with fear. We get filled with doubt. But people, people, people relax. I've read the book. I'm, oh, we could just, I could just drop the mic and go home right now. Oh my gosh, that was good. But, but I've read the book. I mean, the last two chapters. I mean, go just check out the last two chapters of Revelation. Singular, not plural, okay? Just, just check out the last two chapters because it, it, it's just a reminder that, so everything I'm gonna talk about today, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, is gonna get tense. It's gonna get intense. Um, we had, we had uh, a couple people walk out last service and um, we'll probably have it this service too and I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm, I'm okay. Like, what y'all gonna do, fire me? I just go start third opportunity. <laughs> we, call it, we call it, we call it third, third time's a charm. All right, there we go. So, but stay with me because, because um, I, everything, look, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm smoking what I'm selling today, okay? Talking to my people. All right, here we go. Jesus, Jesus in Matthew chapter 24 is having a conversation with his apostles on the Mount of Olives, which if the Mount of Olives is here and Jerusalem's here and there's a valley in between and, and Jesus is talking to his disciples on, on the Mount of Olives and they ask him about the end times because Jesus said, yeah, the end times. And they were like, uh, so when's, when's all this gonna happen? And in Matthew 24, and we touched on it a little bit last week, Jesus gives seven signs. Some people would argue eight or nine. I'm gonna stick with seven. Um, Jesus gives seven signs that I want to be honest with y'all. Up until two or three weeks ago, some of the some of the stuff I'm going to say today I couldn't have said two or three weeks ago because it hadn't happened yet. It's amazing to me how the headlines and the scriptures are starting to say the same thing. So stay with me. We're going to have some fun. Number one, religious tolerance. How many of y'all ever been to, to dinner with somebody at a restaurant, like a nice restaurant, where they bring courses out? They don't, like you, you don't get just one, like they just keep bringing you stuff, like first course. And usually that first course is, if it's not an appetizer, it's a salad, you know what I'm talking about? And the nice restaurants have like the dark lettuce. <laughs> Are you with me? So how many of you have ever been to a restaurant and you're sitting there and you're eating and, 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 and you're with a friend and you finish your salad and, and they laugh because this happened one time we were some friends and this lady, she started laughing and she threw her head back right like that when she just finished the salad and she had like <laughs> a head of lettuce right here in her teeth. It was talking to me. It was like, hey, fast <laughs> And And then, so just, just curious, if this is you, if you're eating with some friends and you've got food in your teeth, do you want somebody to tell you yes or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like if you're, a, if you're a dude and you go to the bathroom and you walk out and you forget to zip up, you want somebody to say, hey man, barn door's open. Like that's, you want somebody to say, but think about this. How uncomfortable is it to tell somebody, uh, Listen, 
You try to give signals at first, right? And they look at you and they go, no, you got, you got like a garden in your front teeth. You got carrots and radishes and tomatoes and like you needed it. It's uncomfortable to tell somebody you got food in your teeth. But you, if you got food in your teeth, you want people to tell you, yes or no? Yeah, absolutely. So Jesus is talking about this. And this is what he says. He tells his disciples, don't let anyone mislead you. Now, pause for a second because this is huge. Like I would say, don't be deceived, but Jesus is telling the men that knew him the closest, don't let anyone deceive you. In other words, if they can be misled, we can too. That's why we gotta be real careful when it comes to just any sort of biblical teaching. I tell people all the time, if, if you don't believe what I say, go home and check it out on your own. I'm doing my best to teach the scriptures, but Jesus said, don't let anyone mislead you. And then he goes on to say, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. That's a big deal. Jesus said there's gonna be a lot of people deceived. Now, keep this in mind. In a recent survey, 57% of Christian, Christians say all religions teach the same thing. Now, let me pause. This was 57% of the Christians surveyed, not 57% of all Christians, okay? I, I, because I, I don't know about you, but I've never been called for a survey. I, I don't know who these people are that they survey, but I, 62%, I, I don't know who these people are. But 57% of Christians say all religions teach the same thing. That's religious deception because it's not true. Take Christianity out of the mix and just, just compare Buddhism and Islam. In Buddhism, there's an eightfold path. The goal in Buddhism is to cease to exist. Islam has five pillars. And in five pillars, your ultimate goal is to get to eternity and spend eternity with Allah in heaven. Hinduism has millions. Of, there's one track of Hinduism, not making this up, that they believe in reincarnation. So you keep getting reincarnated and reincarnated and reincarnated. And eventually when you reach the top level of the pyramid, you come back as a cow. I'm not making this up. Which if you're a cow you're pissing off all the climate change people because they say that cow farts are destroying the environment. Look this up. I'm not making that up. I'm not trying to be funny. They, literally, I read about how cow farts are literally destroying the environment. So this week, I ate a filet and a cheeseburger to try to help the environment. I'm just trying to help the environment. But 57% of Christians say all religions teach the same thing. And then I paused when I was looking at it going, well, this is kind of true because religion, every religion, if you boil it down to the ultimate essence of that religion, it's, it's spelled D-O. This is what you've got to do to get to God. This is the ladder you've got to climb. These are the things you've got to do. But Christianity is different. Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E, done. It's about what Jesus did for us on the cross. It's about Jesus emptying a grave. No other religion on the planet has an empty tomb to point to, but Christianity, we have an empty tomb to point to because Jesus Christ is alive. Religion is man's attempt to get to God. Christianity is God's attempt to get to man. So don't get it twisted because all religions don't teach the same thing. 38% of Christians believe that you don't have to believe in God to go to heaven. I just, 
I read that and I was like, I mean, come on, people. Don't have to believe in God. I mean, there's just, and I, I you know, you, you run into people and they go, well, there's, there's, I mean, God's so big and he's so loving. How, listen, if there was another way to get to heaven other than Jesus dying on the cross, then Jesus dying on the cross wasn't a good idea. What's funny is if you go back and you study um, ancient culture, especially um, the Israel culture, the Hebrew culture, they believed the way to connect to God was the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And one of the things they called the Torah was one of the nicknames was the way, the truth, and the life. It was the way you could know you were connected with God, which is kind of funny when you look in John chapter 14 at the Last Supper when Jesus comes along and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Listen, I love you but there is no other way to heaven other than Jesus Christ, period. Which leads to number two, wars and threats of wars. <laughs> y'all seen, y'all been watching the news for the past month? It's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. Now, keep something in mind. I'm a child of the 80s. I grew up in the 80s. You, some of you grew up in the 80s. Some of you say you did, but you didn't grow up in the 80s because, listen, if you don't know who these people are, <laughs> I saw that movie 487 times. And at the end, when he's got, I might have teared up a little bit, right? If, if you don't, if you have never, ever seen, I'm talking the original. I'm talking Mr. T. You, you don't know. If you don't know who these people are, they gave us permission to jump, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but this wasn't my jam. I, th this, this was more my jam in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Some of y'all like, is that your uncle? <laughs> no, that's a guy. He's a, he was getting known. His name is George Strait. 1982, he had his first number one hit called Full Hearted Memory. And he went on to have like 60 others. I mean, he's... Great, but, but the thing about the 80s that I remember the most is the tension between America and the Soviet Union, Russia. Y'all remember it? In the 80s, we were convinced, if you were around my age as a teenager, that there was gonna be a nuclear war with Russia that wiped everybody off the map. There were movies about it, there were television shows. There was a television show called The Day After that literally freaked the world out. But fortunately for us, Rocky went and defeated Drago and ended the Cold War and everything was fine, right? But this is what Jesus said. Jesus, Jesus said at the end of the times, Jesus said, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars. Isn't it funny how we're not just hearing about wars, but we're hearing about threats of wars? But don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Now, here's what's... Here's what's fascinating. I don't have a ton of time to dive into this, but just you can 
Last week we talked about Ezekiel 37, about the Valley of Dry Bones coming back to life. Ezekiel 38 talks about the Gog-Magog War. There will be certain nations that are allied that will march against Israel in this war. The nations listed in that scripture are um, Iran, Syria, Russia, and some scholars would argue China and India. What are the five nations right now that are standing together in the United Nations? It's those five. It's, I said, don't get scared. Remember the end of the book? I'm just telling you, it's, it's, it's getting set up. The scripture says at the end of times, there will be a 200 million man army to march against Israel. You combine the armies of China and India and you can get, you can get to it pretty quick. Anyway, we'll just move on. Number three, ethnic unrest. <laughs> For the next few minutes, I'm going to make fun of white people. I can make fun of white people because I'm white. I had one person ever that got offended with me because I was making fun of white people. She said, you can't make fun of white people. I'm like, you're not even white. I can make fun of my people. I was looking, I, I, I Googled making fun of white people. And one of the first sites that popped up was called Stuff White People Like. I don't know if you've seen this site. It's fascinating. <laughs> one of the first things I saw on the site, I laughed out loud. Stuff White People Like said, picking their own fruit. <laughs> and I started thinking about the fall. It happens. It happens every fall. If you're a white girl in this room, this is what you're going to do. You're going you're gonna to get your family together he said, we're going to go to North Carolina. We're going to pick apples. <laughs> it's so much fun. We pick apples. The owner of that business is looking at you going, thank God for white people. Because <laughs> that's all to say is white people. There are a bunch of white people out there. Mom's trying to get the kids together to take the picture. And this is us picking apples. And the, and the dad is like, I was pissed the whole time. Like, nobody's having fun. But white people out there pick, white people, white people are the only people on the planet that have two first names. I went to Pickens one time, I met a guy, I said, what's your name? He said, John David. <laughs> Is it John or David? Both. I never heard anything about that. What's your name? Ben Roy. Hmm. Okay, I like this. Like, I can make fun of white people all day long. I can get away with it. But, but, if I were to say, let me tell you a funny joke. A black guy, Asian guy, and a Hispanic guy walk into a bar. Y'all feel the tension? <laughs> it's mostly Baptists going, why were they in the bar? Like, other than that, because <laughs> they're happier than you. Personally, personally, and this is just me, I've never seen the ethnic tension that I'm seeing today in our world. I, I won't go ahead and address it. I mean, ethnic, ethnic tension is there. It's very real. And, and what's interesting about this is Jesus said at the end times, he said, nation will go, to get, will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Now you say, Peter, where do you, where do you get ethnic unrest from there? Well, if you go to the original language, which is Koine Greek, 
And this word nation is translated ethnos. Ethnos is where we get the word ethnicity. Jesus is saying ethnic group will rise up against ethnic group and all you got to do is watch what has happened just in our own country over the past two years and this is happening. So let's just go to something else. This gets too real. Famines. This is why I hope he comes back soon because I don't want to live through a famine. I love food. I love food. Shannon is starting this program tomorrow. She's like supporting her sister-in-law. It's in it's you you have to fast for a certain amount of time. She's like, you should do it. No, I shouldn't. <laughs> well, I think fasting's good. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm more of a slowing type of person. I, be, I love food. I, I love to eat. I love to eat all kinds of food. It's like spicy food. I can't, and it's not that I don't like it. It's just I have a 50-year-old digestive system, and it revolts, all right? So I, but I love all kinds of food. I love it. But Jesus said, and at the end of times, there'll be famine. You say, Pastor Pete, where do you get that? He, he said, there will be famines. <laughs> now, this is, what, this is what's crazy. This is what's crazy. Um, the, just this week, the statistics came out that Ukraine supplies 27% of the world's wheat. Russia provides 15% of the world's fertilizer. Crops are not going to get planted. Wheat is not going to get exported. Famines affect the third world first, the second world second, and the first world third. And just a few days ago, our own president said we will experience food shortages in America. Just, that's what Jesus said. Remember, remember the end of the book. Remember the end of the book. Don't freak out. I'm pre-trib. Remember, we go first. All right, here we go. Number five, earthquakes. I remember my first earthquake. Um, this is another story for another time, but when I was in, in 10th grade, my dad used to bet football with a bookie. It was highly illegal, and he lost $20,000 one weekend and didn't have the money to pay the bookie, and so we moved to California. That's my family. And we, we were living with my aunt and uncle in a trailer, and um, I was talking to my dad, and I was standing, in, and all of a sudden, the entire trailer went this way, and then we went this way, and then we came by this way. And I, like, I, I, it happened so fast. And I looked at my dad, I was like, what was that? He's like, that was an earthquake. And I was like, man, I need to get back to South Carolina because we don't have earthquakes. But then I started thinking about, because sometimes you just got to pay attention to what's going on around you, you know? I started thinking about last year, just last year. It seemed like, we would hear about an earthquake. I went back and did the research. South Carolina, there were 27 registered earthquakes in South Carolina last year. This year, and we're only a third of the way through, there's been 12. Just looking around, paying attention to what's going on around us. Because Jesus said, and earthquakes, and 
many parts of the world. I would consider South Carolina to be many parts of the world. All right, save the best two for last. This way you're going to get real tense. I'm going to say some things that some people don't agree with, and that's fine. Y'all ready for it? Y'all ready for it? All right, I just want to make sure. Number six, persecution. Here's what everybody in this room needs to understand. I don't hate people. I don't. Some people would be easy to hate, but like I don't like South Carolina fans. <laughs> I don't hate you. I don't hate you. I just know that Clemson is the better team. <laughs> That's just your opinion, Pastor P. Actually, <laughs> head to head, we are 72, 42, and 4. I don't call that a rivalry. I call that a domination. We got three national championships in football. We got women's basketball. Congratulations. And we got 20 ACC titles. We play in the SEC. I know. You make the top half of the SEC possible. <laughs> now, I got the truth on my side. I, this, is, this is like statistically true. But if I go to the Clemson-South Carolina game this year and it's at Williams Bryce, if I go to or if I go to a football game at Williams Bryce and I'm wearing all orange, do you think they care about the statistics? No. They're gonna throw beer at me, they're gonna cuss at me, they're gonna yell at me. Now that's like first, if I go to the third or fourth quarter, everybody done left. But like if I'm there in the first, second quarter, like people are mad. I would get persecuted. Even if I've got the truth on my side, I get persecuted. Jesus said, He said, then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. You talk about persecution? Man, it's, it's gotten intense. I'm talking about like, so... First of all, I'm gonna make this statement. It's not a political statement. It's just a matter of fact. I'm super thankful that I live in South Carolina where the church is considered an essential service and the governor of South Carolina did not shut down the churches when COVID hit because it, it was crazy in other parts of the United States, it wasn't that way. Like strip clubs and weed shops could stay open, but churches got shut down. I have a pastor friend, he racked up $150,000 worth of fines and was threatened to be arrested every week. But he had church in California. And you know what? His church grew and he saw more salvations and baptisms in that history of his church in, in, in that time period. But, but we're seeing this. Pastors were being arrested for having church in our country. And speaking truth today, I'm talking speaking truth. There'll be a day, it's coming, where speaking truth will be considered hate speech. 
Now, I don't hate anybody, but let me, let me give you an example. If you're here today, or you're watching online, you're transgender, I don't hate you. I don't hate people. I don't hate anybody. But I believe with all my heart that God made man and God made woman. And those are the only two options, period. Now, I, it's so funny that the people screaming about COVID follow, follow the science, can't follow the science when it comes to basic biology. And I will tell you, as a pastor, I, as a pastor, I am 100% against biological men competing in women's sports. It's, it's... Now, I know, I know people are like, people are like, well, Pastor P, I'm ner- don't be nervous. Now, there will be a day that what I just said gets labeled as hate speech. But, but don't get it twisted because there's a difference between hate speech and speech that you hate. Just because we hate it doesn't mean it's not true. And at the end of the day, I, I love people, but for, as for this pastor and this church, we will stand on the truth of God's word, no matter what it costs, okay? And last but not least, this is, this. I've saved the most tense for last. Love growing cold. Some people are hard to love. Would you agree? When, when I stood up here and said, I don't, like, I don't hate anybody, it, it took some time to get there. It, because, and there are people in this room that, that if we're not careful, this can happen to us. It's a, it's a dangerous trap. Jesus said this. Jesus said, sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. I have honestly never seen our country as cold as it is right now, the world in fact. When one out of six boys and one out of three girls are sexually molested by the time they're 18 years old, that's a cold world. That's a, that's a, that's a cold world. When the murder rate the past two years has increased so significantly that people on both sides of the aisle are concerned, that's the love of people growing cold. When the abortion industry, let me pause. If you're here, you've had an abortion at any point in your life, you've asked God to forgive you, you are forgiven, you're under the grace of God, he loves you. He knew that you were gonna do that before he created you and he created you anyway and you're not a mistake and he loves you and you are forgiven and you can walk in that freedom because none of this is meant to shame anybody. But let's make no mistake about it. It's not pro-life and pro-choice. It's, it's a money issue. The abortion industry worldwide, listen to me, pulls in over one 
trillion dollars a year. One trillion dollars a year for murdering babies. Pastor V, you can't say that. Well, let's say a let's say a girl, teenage girl, doesn't want her baby. She goes to a rest stop, has the baby, throws it in the trash can. We we condemn that. That's wrong. We scream at her. We yell at her. She gets locked up. She goes to abortion clinic, and people cheer for her. If you if you leave here today, you pull out, and let's say you you let's let's let, let, bad example. Let's say Friday night, Saturday night, you've been somewhere, had a drink or two, you pull out DUI, you hit a woman, and she's pregnant, and her and the baby die. You're charged with a double homicide. I said, Pastor P, but it's, it's not a baby, it's a fetus. No, it's a life. That's a life. I didn't say this in the last service. I didn't say this in the last service because I forgot, but let me just kind of put this out there and this will be fine. Um, Psalm 139 says, for you created me in my mother's womb. You knit me together. That is the work of God. Who wants to destroy the work of God? Let's talk about something way less controversial. Social media. When I was in middle school, if you wanted to bully somebody, you actually had to walk up to them and call them a name. I was bullied, so I know. I was... I was humongous, so I got called all kinds of names in middle school. You had to, I mean, you could write an anonymous letter, but somebody recognized your handwriting, right? But in today's world, this is a cesspool. I mean, this is, this is just, this is like, this is where people whose lives suck, they go to criticize other people. Am I right? And because of so, now I'm not saying throw the baby out with the bathwater, which by the way, where did that phrase come from? But anyway, I'm not saying throw the, I'm just saying this, right? Social media has caused our world to grow cold. Because teenagers are taking their own lives because of online bullying. And let's be honest, all of us in this room have probably received a hateful comment online. Yes? All of us in this room have probably said something hateful online that we would have never said to that person had they been standing in front of us, yes? Not as many yeses. Sorry, didn't mean to mess with your halo. It looks so pretty. (laughs) I've seen people ripped apart because of stuff happened. Now, here's what's funny. Here's what's funny. I got a process when I develop a message. My process is I have a, like a real pen, not a, not, a, not a stylus, but a pen and a legal pad of paper. And I write it out by hand. And I make circles and I draw things and it all makes sense in my mind, okay? And then I type it and then I 
edit it, and I type it, and I edit it. And this goes, I do this about 20 times before I finally get it ready to preach. So I'm, I'm working on, so, so, so when I was preparing this message, I, it, I swear it happened just like this. I was preparing this message. I got to this spot in the message, and I got a text from a friend who attends our church. And she said to me, you might want to take a look at your Facebook page. I was like, okay. Because I posted like something encouraging or whatever. So I pulled up my Facebook page and this was the comment. I did not put the person, I, I came real close to putting the person's name, but I was like, nah, he's got enough problems. This is what he said. You're an alcoholic pastor with a drinking problem. I think you need to reinvent some ideas pretty darn quick. I'm through with you regardless. You did wrong. Now, I speak for a living. So, so I had so many wonderful responses <laughs> that came to mind. But you know, you know what I've, you know what God has taught me, especially in the past year? God is God is taught me, and this is true about my own heart, that when somebody leaves a comment like that online, something's broken inside of them. Anytime I've ever left a hateful comment or said something hateful, it's because something was broken inside of me. So I just left the comment up and moved on. And here's why. People who don't know you can't define you, period. That's not just true for me. That's not just true for me. That's true for everybody. If they don't know you, why would you give them access to your emotions? So I was, <laughs> I was trying to think, it was so funny. When I got to the end of this message, and I was, I was like, all right, God, if I send people home on this, it's like, dang. Like some of you already are like, you brought somebody today and you're like, I'm sorry. You know, I'm not like, you come next week, it'll be better. I was like, because this is what I believe. I just believe, I was, I was watching this thing the other day and people being critical of a church, not our church, but people being critical of another church. And this is what they said. I knew something was wrong because every time I left, I felt great. I'm like, that's called like the good news. Like when we come to church, we should, we should feel like we just heard good news. In fact, if you didn't hear good news, then, then it's not the message that Jesus was preaching because Jesus was preaching the good news. And I'm, but I was looking at what we just talked about. And, and even though I said, you know, we read the end of the book, some people are like, uh, yeah, but I feel, don't feel like that was good news. So um, I got out my legal pad and I got out my pen and I just went through this message and I started writing and I said, you know, God, what, what can we apply to our lives personally that's good news? And I, I literally wrote it on a piece of paper and I just wanna read it, read it to you. I think, I hope, I pray that this will encourage somebody in this room today. Even though we live in a world where many of us feel like we are not enough, I will celebrate that I have a God who sent his son Jesus to do for me what I could have never done for myself. And even if I'm not enough on earth for certain people or places, I was enough for Jesus to give his life for. And even though wars may rage all over the world, 
and wars may rage in my mind. I will not be a casualty because the King of Kings lives within me and will provide me with peace that passes all understanding. And I will stand on the solid rock of his word knowing that no storm can tear down the foundation that he has given me. And even if there is hostility toward ethnicity here on earth, I will celebrate that in eternity, every ethnicity will come together because of a place called heaven and a man named Jesus. And we will live in harmony with one another because in him there is unity. And although famines may ravage the world and one day even impact my world, I will celebrate because Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He has always taken care of me. He has always been faithful to me and he will continue to supply my needs according to his riches and glory. And as earthquakes shake the world around me, I will thank God that his Holy Spirit shakes inside of me to remove those things that harm me and replace them with things that are immeasurably more than all I could ask or imagine. And as persecution breaks out in the world and even in my world, I will celebrate because even if a weapon is formed against me, God's word said it will not prosper. It will not defeat me. Jesus said he will take every curse and turn it into a blessing. And when I get overwhelmed with the battles raging against me, I will celebrate because I will remember that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And as the world grows cold, I will ask Jesus to set my heart on fire so I will know his love for me is unshakable and his love flows to me and will also flow through me to a world that is desperate for hope. This world, every kingdom will come to an end, but this world is not my home. I'm a part of an unshakable kingdom with an unstoppable savior who saved me with his irresistible, amazing grace. To him be the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen and amen. So Father, I wanna thank you right now God, that your, your word is good news. Today we've heard your word. May we celebrate, God, that the end of the book says we win. With heads bowed and eyes closed right now, I know some people walked in today and you were weighed down by worry. I could see it in your faces as you were sitting. You're just weighed down with worries of what's going on in the world, what's going on in your world. And maybe this is an opportunity right now to literally take those worries and put them at the feet of Jesus. Just just lay them down right now. Just say, Jesus, I'm going to give this to you. I can't, I can't carry this. I can't handle this. I can't take this. And maybe you're here today and you've never prayed to receive Christ. You never asked Jesus to come into your life. And today's the day you recognized, I need Jesus. I need, a rela- I need to ask Jesus into my life. I want to surrender my life to him. If that's you and you're here today and you want to ask Jesus to come into your life, Right where you stand right now, I want you to pray. I just want you to, I just want to pray this in heart. Just say, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. I know that I'm a sinner, I I'm a sinner. and I need, I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross, on the cross and rose from the, grave from the grave to pay for my sins. For my sins. And right now, Jesus, right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. Come in and take over. I surrender everything to you. In Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed to receive Christ, if you just asked Christ to come in your life, I want you to do me a favor because I want to pray for you. I want you to stick your hand straight up in the air. Hold your hand straight up in the air and just leave it. Just leave it. Amen. Amen. Just leave it. Just leave it. If you're online, you can do the hand raise emoji. Father, I want to thank you so much for these hands in the air. I want to thank you for changing lives. Father, I want to thank you for every person that walked in here who was 
weighed down with worry, God, that we can walk out in a state of worship knowing, God, that even when the world seems out of control, you are in control. Father, I wanna thank you for the last chapter in the book. I wanna thank you for the reminder that we win. I wanna thank you that no weapon formed against us will prosper. I wanna thank you that you will love us and you will take care of us and you will shepherd us, God. And even when the world falls apart, we can stand firm knowing, God, that you and your word are true and can be trusted. We love you, Jesus. We celebrate this. And everybody that agreed with this said, amen. Are you glad you came today? Hey, don't miss next week because it's going to be awesome. We love you guys. Y'all have a great Sunday. God bless.